Good morning, church. Hallelujah. We're going to have a time of prayer, um, maybe towards the end, in the middle of the service, as the Holy Spirit leads, for people who really want to believe that God is going to bless your hands and God is going to prosper your life. Three years back, my wife prayed for one of the girls who comes to our church. She's a member. And it was for business. And it was not something of our own heart's desire. Her cousin said, let's go to the front. She was like, okay. And she came to the front and my wife prayed for her and prophesied that God's going to use you in creating unusual products for business purposes. Now, she already has a government job, but she took that word. And last week when she came to my office for a time of counseling, she brought a box where she had cosmetic products in it. And she said, after that prayer, I began to seek the Lord. And the Lord inspired me to put my hands into creating cosmetic products. And I sourced the material and I make them myself. And it's beautiful. Amen. That's the kind of prosperity we want our church people and Christians in Nagaland to really go into. Where you are creating out of your hands, where you are making ideas out of your mind, and you are producing, you are being a creator just like God. You are created in the image of God. God is a creator. And by creating, we experience a part of God's nature through us, and that's how we experience prosperity. Amen. It's not by waiting for a project from Delhi all the time, or by waiting for a rich uncle to just give you an inheritance. Is by doing something with your hands, which requires faith, which requires seeking God, seeking His wisdom, His creativity. You know, we are all blessed with acres of diamonds. All of you. All of you have acres of diamonds. It's in your heart. It's in your hands. It's in your talents, your abilities. It's in your body. It's in your mind. The most precious thing you have is your heart and your mind. And yet we ignore it. We because of sometimes inferiority complex, sometimes because we have not learned to educate our hearts and minds, we are always looking outside for uh, a lottery. We are looking outside for some windfall blessings, whereas God wants you to produce, produce, to create. And that's where you will see the diamonds of your life coming out of you. So one reason why America is such a developed nation and the leader in business, in science, is because they have this attitude, this spirit to constantly create, to constantly produce. That's why they are the center of innovation. Ideas keep on coming out of that nation. Products. We can do that. If you will just believe. Amen. Don't look to our history. Don't look to uh, our society. Look to God. Take confidence in the fact that you are a child of God. You are created in His image. Hallelujah. Amen. So today will be the last in the series of Acres of Diamonds. Turn to 3 John verse 2. Beloved, I pray above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So we're talking about the prosperity of the soul, which is so important to experiencing godly success. The soul must prosper. 
Prosperity is not about your bank account or your job. It's first to do about your heart, your mind, your mindset, your attitudes. And so people may win lotteries, but yet because they have not learned character in the heart. They have not learned patience. They have not learned how to control their appetites. They may win lotteries, but after two years, they're back in poverty. You may give free money to everyone in Nagaland, but I guarantee you within four or five years back, everyone would be back into the same position as they were today. So it's not about the money that comes from the outside. It's about your heart. It's about your mind. We all need to develop a prosperous soul, a rich soul. Develop the right godly attitudes, wisdom, mindset, faith about money, about substances, about the kingdom of God. We are blessed to be a blessing. Hallelujah. God's not against blessing us, but is against us keeping the blessings for ourselves. So I talked about these different hindrances, blindness to the Father's care for you, fear, that's poverty mindset. Greed is poverty mindset. Impulsiveness or patience. Stinginess. How many of you gave something last week? Can I see your hands? Great. All of us raised our hands, right? Yes. So keep on doing it. It's not just for one week. This one week was just a test. The real exam now starts where you, every week, you keep on practicing it. Let it become a practice where you walk into a restaurant, you just pay for some stranger's meals. You just pay for somebody's fuel who is behind you. I once paid for somebody's servicing car in Dimapu. I went for servicing my car. There was someone else who came behind me. I knew her. She used to come to our church. So I just paid for her. And she was so happy and she was so blessed. Well, what purpose was there, Pastor? Nothing. It's just sowing a seed of kindness and that seed will always grow one day. Amen. So let's be agents of God's blessings. Hallelujah. Now we're going to talk about laziness, which should not be difficult for us to understand. <laughs> laziness, ownership versus stewardship and the love of money. The love of money is a poverty mindset. So I don't know how much time I have. I don't think I'll go through all my message. I'm just going to keep it short. Laziness. Another word to describe this is slothfulness. Slothfulness. And it simply means to be idle, to be always hesitating, to be slow, careless, lazy, dull. The sloth is an animal, a mammal that you find in South America. A very slow-moving animal. How many of you have seen a picture of a sloth? You can even find them in some churches in Nagaland. The sloth. Turn to Deuteronomy 28 verse 8. I'm just going to give you verses again, like last Sunday. The Bible can preach better than Pastor Sean can. Deuteronomy 28 verse 8. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. Underline that. To which you set your hand. He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. That's one of the blessings of Christ that we have even today. That He will bless the work of your hands. Look at Psalm chapter 1 verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaves also shall not wither, 
And whatever He does, whatever He does, whatever He does, everyone say, He does, shall prosper. So here we see that God promised to bless the work of our hands, what we are doing, not what we are sitting on, not what we are wishing, not what we are dreaming. God said He will bless the work of your hands. That means you got to be doing something. You have to put your hands somewhere. See, a lot of us are just waiting for the blessing before we actually do something. But God is saying, go out and do something. Find out. By doing, you will find out where your gifting is. You will find out where you are good at. You will find out what is good for you. Just do. Just by doing something. If there's no job, volunteer somewhere. Be an intern somewhere. Just go and tell some churches. Go and tell some ministries. Go and tell some companies. I'm willing to work for free. For free? Yes! Just go and work because the moment you put your hands and you go and be a blessing to that company, to that shop, to the church, maybe after three months or maybe after six months, they'll say, why don't you become a full-time employee? Amen. You got to be doing something for God to bless it. Amen. You see, when God gave manna to the children of Israel, that manna did not come on their plate. That manna did not come in their mouth. It came outside. They had to go and gather it. They had to gather with their hands. Nagaland is full of the blessings of God. It's full. Only a blind man cannot see. Nagaland is full of the blessings of God, but it doesn't come on your plate. It doesn't come in your bank account. It doesn't come inside your home. You have to go out and gather it. Amen. Develop a prosperous mind. Be positive. Look at Proverbs 19 verse 15. Laziness, slothfulness is one of the main reasons for poverty. Don't blame the devil. Okay? Laziness. Laziness. Poverty is not a blessing. It's a curse. Proverbs 19.15 Laziness casts one into a deep sleep. An idle person will suffer hunger. So laziness is like being drugged. Drugged. That's why you wake up 11, 12 in the morning. It's a cause of poverty. Look at Proverbs 20 verse 4. This is spoken by the wisest man ever, Solomon. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. The lazy man is full of excuses. Ah, turn to neighbor and say, he's describing you. The lazy man is full of excuses. Ah, I will do it next week. Ah, it's too cold. Winter. Let's not work. He will not plow because of winter. And in summer, he has to beg people. Excuses. Pastor, try the winner. because The lazy man is full of excuses. That's why he will end up desperate and poor, the Bible says. Proverbs 18 verse 9. He who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a great 
destroy you. Laziness destroys the potential that you have. Laziness will destroy the talents, the gifts and the abilities God has put into you. God did not create you to be a consumer only. He created you in His image to produce, to create. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Look at Proverbs 24, verse 30 to 34. I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little falling of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler and you need like an armed man. Poverty is waiting for every one of you to eat you up. Poverty is waiting for you. That's what the Bible says. He will come like an armed man to rob you. And that's why we cannot afford to be lazy. Why are people lazy? Number one, because they have no purpose in life. They do not know who they are. They are sons and daughters of God. You are royalty. You are prince and princesses in the kingdom. You're not just created to be nothing, to do nothing. Amen. Hallelujah. Number two, because of the sense of inferiority, inadequacy, that means you have a low self-image. You do not know who you are. You have no confidence in yourself. Number three, because of the fear of failure. Many people have the fear of failure. That's why they don't want to take any responsibility because they don't want to take the responsibility of making decisions that the failure and the success may depend on the decision. So they want to hide the fear of failure. Every person who has succeeded has always failed. But they did not let the failure stop them. The fear of failure the fear of people's opinions, the fear of people making fun of you is holding you back from your success, your blessing, your prosperity. In Nagaland, we care too much about what your village will say, your tribe will say, what the community will say. We care too much. I tell you, when you are 70, 80, you will regret the times that you did not do what was in your heart from the Lord because you feared the opinions of people. And many times you fear the opinions of people that you yourself don't even like. <laughs> who have no, no value in your life. I was just remarking to uh, my children yesterday I had gone to the heritage to preach and I saw over a hundred kids on the road you know, just through from 5 to 7 p.m., just exercising in shorts and in gym clothes. And it was such a wonderful sight to see. But when I was in school, if you go out with shorts and gym clothes on the streets to run, everyone made fun of you. But I didn't care because I started in those days. I would go all the way walking to the Assam Rifles to play tennis. And everyone would look at me and just make remarks, sneer at me. But I didn't care. Because I was the one benefiting through that exercise. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Take responsibility for your life. Even if you fail once, twice, it doesn't matter. Take responsibility. Every success comes from the responsibility to take a decision. In the parable of the talents, Jesus talks about the one who is so afraid that he was given one talent, another two talents, another five talents. The five and the two, they went and they increased it. The one who got one talent was so afraid, he hid it in the ground. And Jesus said, you wicked and lazy servant. The one who hid the talent in the ground because he was afraid to invest it, he did not take responsibility for it. Jesus said, you wicked and lazy servant. So wickedness is not only about drinking, smoking, and going out there extorting money and doing wrong things. Laziness is wickedness. You need to develop the attitude of diligence. Everyone say diligence. Romans 12 verse 11. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not lagging in diligence also means not slothful in business. Christians need to be the hardest working not the laziest. And don't make excuse, I have to go to prayer and fasting for not working for the government either. So many officers have this complaint about Christians in Nagaland who don't come to office, who don't do their work, but they go out for gospel tours, they go out for fasting all the time. There's a time to fast and there's a time to work. See, look at another scripture, I'll show you this. Titus chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. Titus chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. Exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering. Pilfering means stealing from your employers, but showing all good fidelity or faithfulness or hard work that they may adorn the doctrine of God as Savior in all things. The Bible is saying here that when you have faithfulness, when you are diligent, when you are hardworking for your employer, you make the gospel beautiful. A lot of people in Nagaland are making the gospel ugly because in the name of Christ, they don't go to work. The Bible is basically saying, give your employer what he paid for and more. If the government of Nagaland is paying for you for that hour, for that time, give him that. That's what the Bible is saying. And give more, give 110%. So if you're working for somebody, you're working for an organization, give to your company, give to your organization what they are paying for. If you are not, you are slothful. You're lazy. You're wicked. I'm not saying it. The Bible is saying it. I say you are good, but God says you are wicked. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, 14 to 15. Diligence means to be alert. It means to be consistent. It means to be persistent. It means to daily, daily be focused on your purpose, on your job. 1 Timothy chapter 4, 14 to 15. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Do not neglect the gift that came upon your life. Do not neglect 
the gift of playing music, the gift of computers. Do not neglect that gift of writing. Do not neglect that ability to bake. Do not neglect your ability to make flowers. You do not neglect. And even that gift can come to you by the laying of hands like that sister. And even the brother who shared about how after I prayed for him, he opened up an app for electrical products. Do not neglect that which is given to you. What we do is we come, we ask for prayer, we go home expecting, talk, 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 door to open. Hey, here, 10 lakhs. We're expecting that. That will never come. The Bible is saying, after you have received prayer, even though nothing may be in your hand, but you have received something, the grace of God and empowering. You have received something from the Spirit. Now meditate on it. Meditate on what God wants you to do. Spend some time thinking, praying, seeking the Lord, seeking what is in your heart. Give yourself entirely wholeheartedness. And then your progress will be made evident to all. In other words, the progress will be seen after diligence. We want progress without diligence. Focus, determination, diligence is a key ingredient for success. See, we talk about those who have finished, you know, college, uh, Toppers, oh, we celebrate. But what we don't see is that for years they've been diligent in studies. Every day they've been diligent in the studies. We don't celebrate diligence. We celebrate the 99%. But the 99% came because of the diligence. We should rather celebrate the process every day. Celebrate the diligence. Amen. Amen. We don't study the whole year. And then during exam time, crisis called to pastor. Lord, pastor, please pray that I'll pass the exam. I'm like, go study. If you study, God will bless you. That's the truth. Amen. Look at Proverbs chapter 10 verse 4. He who has a slack hand becomes poor. The lazy will become poor. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 12, 24. The hand of the diligent will rule. That means they will lead. That means they will have authority. But the lazy man will be put to forced labor. If you are lazy, when you are at all age, you will be forced to do things you don't want to do. Because you have nothing for retirement. You'll be forced to do things you don't want to do. If you don't do today, Sacrifice your time today, hard work today. If you don't, when you're old, you'll be forced. I guarantee you, you'll be forced to do things you don't want to do. Because in your youth, you were too lazy. The youth time is a time to hustle. Don't just depend on your college and your school education. Go to school, learn something else during the intervening period. And don't say that I'm going to play video games and become a rich man. The path for those is just a few. Amen. You can go to college and learn something on the side. Do side business. There's so much. Hallelujah. 
Proverbs 21 verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. Ah, if you are diligent, opportunity will come. But those of everyone who is hasty, surely to poverty. Hasty. You just want to make quick profit. Quick kropati. Quick lakpati. The Bible says you will come to poverty. Diligence means be patient. Be focused. Be persistent. Keep on doing it. Keep focused. Be focused. Be focused. Warren Buffett, the great investor, says, you know, for the first 10, 15 years of his life, he was just doing small investments. It was tough. It was hard. The gains did not come immediately. But he was diligent and diligent. Today he's billionaire many times over because he persisted in this thing for decades. Decades. We need to have a mindset of 40, 50 years, not one, two years. And then become Scorpio uncle. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Seven. Point number seven. Hindrance to prosperity is having an ownership mentality rather than the kingdom mindset of stewardship. Who is the owner? We need to determine that from the beginning. Who is the boss of your life? Who is the owner of your resources? Genesis chapter 1 verse 31. The Bible says, God saw everything that He made. Uh, who made? God made. And indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God made the soil. God made the land. Nagas did not make Nagaland. Your village did not make that land that your village owns. So we need to have a humility in saying, Amikan laga mati, Amikan laga hawa. No, we need to have some humility because they can be taken away from us anytime. It can be taken away in the blink of an eye as we see in the history of Israel, the history of the Assyrians. It can be taken away. Like what's happening in Afghanistan right now. Amen. So God made everything. Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. The world and those who dwell therein. So everything belongs to God. Haggai chapter 2 verse 8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. Some of you who are interested in investments, you know, gold and silver are always mentioned in the Bible as currency. That's God's currency. It's good to own gold and silver. Amen. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. God made everything. He is the owner. And then he made man in his image. And then God put the man in the garden and gave him the responsibility to tend and to keep the earth. Not to own the earth, but to be a steward, to be a manager over the earth. With God's ability given to him. With God's grace. So man is a steward of earthly resources given to him by God. Man is not the owner. Kings, dictators, they tried to be the owners. Nations, 
lands. When they died, they found out who was the real owner. Hallelujah. This mentality, ownership, it's mine, it's mine. It's what breeds covetousness and selfishness. And it is rampant in the world. We need to guard our heart against this mentality, even in the church. My ministry, my gifts, my calling. See, whatever God gives to you is for the body. Jesus says, I will build my church. The church belongs to Jesus. Not to any denomination, any celebrity pastor or no. The church belongs to Jesus. Can you say amen? So we need to build according to His ways, according to His plan, according to His direction. Our lives, your resources, whatever you use, use it according to the will of God. Let me give some scriptures. Psalm 49 verse 10 about stewardship. For he sees wise men die, likewise the fool and the senseless person perish, and they leave the wealth to others. For when he dies, Psalm 49 verse 17, verse 10 and verse 17, when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. That's why I love to say this. All of Solomon's gold is still on the earth. Amen. All of Akbar's gold, Ashoka's gold, is still on the earth. Amen. That means we are only stewards during our time. We don't own anything. Not even the dust you own. Even the planets, the moons and the stars, if you go there, you will see a signboard, belong to Jesus. <laughs> see, every part of the universe, God is declaring mine. It's mine, it's mine, I created it. Hallelujah. Look at James chapter 4 verse 14. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. That's what a life is. You come for a brief moment and you leave. Amen. And then there will be others after us. So we should always have the sense of humility that in the time such as this, for the next 30, 40 years, I must just do what God calls me to do and leave. That's the right attitude you have. We should not come into this world like I'm a conqueror. Everything is mine. I'm the emperor of everything I see and possess. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 to 15. How well we manage the possessions of our master determines how we will be rewarded in eternity. Do you know that you're going to be rewarded even for how you used your brain for the kingdom, your resources, your gifts? Some of you are great in painting. I've seen some of the vanguard, uh, the, the scene thing that they are doing. It's great. I love it. I mean, you're not going to start with a masterpiece, but you're going to start somewhere. Not a masterpiece, but a mustard seed. <laughs> but if you will keep on applying, maybe one day you'll produce a masterpiece. Amen. Hallelujah. 
According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another builds on it. You see, whatever foundation we do for this church, the next generation, kingdom kids, they're going to build on it. Let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Your master will reward you for being a wise steward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. Just your tithes and your offerings, you will get a reward too. Because you are giving to the kingdom. So what is stewardship? Stewardship is simply being a manager of God's resources. Your gifts, your talents, your resources, your strength, your possessions, and even your breath, you have the attitude, comes from God and I want to live for Him. Everything I have is God's. I'm simply a manager. I'm not the owner. I'm entrusted with His purposes. I'm entrusted with His resources for His purpose. So if God should tell you, give to the missions, give to this, give to that person, it should not be difficult to do so because you are just a manager. It's not yours. So when you give the wise steward, the faithful steward, Jesus says, you've been faithful over five, take ten. You've been faithful over this many cities, take ten more. You will always get more. So prospering in the kingdom, that means when you sow and you reap, it's not about reaping for your selfish benefits. That's what the preaching of prosperity has been made by so many in America, the American preachers. You sow just to get a harvest for you, but no, it's about stewardship. We sow so that God gives more harvest so that you can sow more. It's all about stewardship. It's about managing His resources. It's not about a new car and a new house and a new clothes. No, it's not about that. Even though that comes. It's about releasing more. Becoming a bigger pipe and a bigger pipe and a bigger pipe and a bigger pipe. So that one day, even though you start as the Kohima Nala, one day you end up as the Brahmaputra. That means you can bless more nations. More people. Can you say Amen? Hallelujah. A failure to steward money, this is very important, a failure to steward money according to God's ways is a primary cause of financial problems in Christians. Many Christians, when they have financial problems, debt, crisis, you can trace the root to the fact that they did not use their finances God's way. It's very simple. So how do you view the money that you have? Not only the 10, but even the 90. Amen. Pray over everything that you do, how you use your money. Of course, you have budgets, monthly, food, clothes, travel, education. But the Lord will give you wisdom in how you allocate your resources. Because He will direct by the leading of the Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit is so important to how we use kingdom finances. Prayer is so important. Luke chapter 16 verses 1 to 8. 
He said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I've resolved what to do that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? So he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. Now this is something that I could never understand. Why is the master commending him for cheating the master? So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in the generation than the sons of light. Talking about the people of the world and the people in the church. The people in the world are more shrewd with money. Why? That's what we need to understand here. Now the master commended his servant, his steward, not for the deception, but for how he used the money. For his future. How he used money to prepare for his future. He did not want to beg, borrow, steal, dig. So he used the money to prepare for his future. Okay, look at verse 9 then. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. What's unrighteous mammon? Money. Make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Everlasting home. Everlasting home. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying this. Use money. Use money by investing in eternal things. Investing in eternal things like what? Souls. Missions. And thereby preparing yourself for the future. Every seed you sow in the kingdom is an investment into your future. Use money wisely. That's what God is saying here. And then in verse 10 and 11, he says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Very important. Everyone, listen. Money is the least thing where you can begin to learn faithfulness with God. Money is the least and also the first where you must learn to steward the resources of the kingdom. Even before you become a leader in church, even before God lifts you up in your gifts, in the, money is the least. And the least is tithing. The least is giving to the Lord. How you use your money prepares you for more responsibility, prepares you for more true riches. What are the true riches? True riches is souls. Influence, anointing, gifts, authority. But it matters a lot how you use your money. And that's why we have developed a system where we, in our church, make it important if you are a staff, you better be giving your tithes. Not because we are 
putting a gun at you and saying, extorting money out of you. No, that's a proof of your faithfulness. If you cannot be faithful in money, how can you be faithful with people? How can you be faithful towards God if you cannot be faithful even in the least? Just a little testimony. In the year 1997, when I came back from Singapore, one of the first things I did was took all my savings from my job and I wrote that book, First Steps. But at that time, it was a different name. I wrote a little booklet and because those teachings blessed me and I knew that many in Nangale need those teachings. So I wrote it and I put my own money into it and I developed it. And not only that, I wrote a devotional. I wrote that book. I wrote a lot of tracks with my own money and I distributed it free. I wanted to use my money to impact eternal people, eternity, souls. That was a small seed. But over the years, God has blessed it. To the point now that that very book is now published in Pakistan. If you can put the pictures up on the screen. Just last Sunday, it was published. It was released in the churches in Pakistan. What was a small seed in a small amount, in very humble ways, in the streets of Kohima, over the years, God blesses it. It grows, it multiplies. And now it's going to the nations. We want to do it now in Hindi. We want to do it in other languages. It's about being faithful in little things. Money is the least and also the first thing. And the first step is, of course, tithing. Amen. Let me give you some points about stewardship. Stewardship is protecting the owner's assets. It's about protecting God's assets, not your own things. That means the chair that you are sitting on, it's God's. Take care of it. Don't put the chingam under there. Don't kick it all the time and make it dirty. You know, I tell the musicians, I tell the media people, every wire, every string is from God. Don't be so careless. If you cannot care for the things that are here in the church as a musician, as a media person, you will never have your own. Because you could not care for the things of God. How can God give you more? Faithful in little things. Stewardship is built on trust and integrity. Trust and integrity. Can God trust you with millions? Will you use it in the right way? See, most of the time, disposable income flows into the areas of your weakness. So can you have self-control when you have millions? Stewardship is always open to accountability. In Luke 19 verse 15, Jesus says, When the master returned, he commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained. You must be accountable. And sometimes the pastors, your leaders will come and ask you, how did you use the money? And that time you shouldn't be offended. Stewardship is about accountability. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2. Successful stewards are passionate about faithfulness. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Faithfulness is important for stewardship. 
Ephesians 6 verse 7, With goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Stewards work for their earthly employers as working for God, as working for Jesus. Can you work for the government like you're working for Jesus? Can you work for the shop as you're working for Jesus? Can you work for the organization as working for Jesus? That makes a difference between having the right kingdom spirit to prosper or whether you're going to be poverty. Because you don't have the right attitude towards your employer. Promotion is dependent on how you manage the small things. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over much. The last hindrance is this, the love of money. The love of money. Covetousness. They are the same things. Mark 4 verse 19, very quickly. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. The word becomes unfruitful. That means even God's grace for you to prosper in the word becomes unfruitful. Why? Because of the deceitfulness of riches. Because you begin to love money. You end up loving money. You start a business. God blesses it. You forget about God. You start loving that money. No matter what business you do, what you put your hands to, keep some boundaries. Keep some boundaries. On certain days, you don't do business. No matter how lucrative or tempting it may be. Why? You need to rest one day of the week to give to God in worship, in meditation. Hallelujah. See, the love of money is when money becomes your God. Money becomes your security. Money becomes your peace. One lady was telling me about how there was an uncle who told her that I have so much money that I can get treated anywhere in India. I'm secure. At all age, I can be treated anywhere in India. Unfortunately, he got sick in Kohima and passed away here. Not very old either. See, he put his security in money. That's called the love of money. Where money becomes your peace, is your security. That's called deceitfulness of riches. See, you may think that you have a lot of money so that at all age you will get all the right treatments, but healing becomes healing belongs to God. The doctors cannot heal you. I'll guarantee you, medicine cannot heal you, doctors cannot heal you. They can only manage the conditions in your body, but the healing, that spark of healing, comes from God. There's no medicine that heals. Do you know that? They only manage the conditions of your body. But that life in the body comes from God. Hallelujah. Look at Revelations 3 verse 16 to 17. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, I have become health, wealthy, and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. That's called the deceitfulness of riches. You know, riches are so like God. Wealth is so like God that it takes the place of God. That when you are wealthy, you begin to say, I have no need. You know, of God. I have no need for church. 
I've no need to worship. You begin to get deceived into this false security. Like the story I just shared. And God says to these people, you are actually wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. True riches is being, how would I say it? Rich spiritually, knowledge of God. Rich in prayer, rich in faith. That's true riches of the kingdom. That can translate into blessings in your life also. But the blessings are not the true riches. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 to 10. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. In Nagaland, we would call this taking interest at 20%, 5% per month and starting businesses or going into elections. I know that there are some people called to go into politics, but most of them who would just take loans at 5% per month, it is not the love of the people, it's their desire to be rich. It's the love of money, it's the love of power. And the Bible says they fall into temptation and a snare, into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. It destroys. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil from which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Pierced themselves through with many sorrows. See, what is your relationship with money? It's so important to establish. The love of money results in temptations where people get trapped in schemes and lusts that bring destruction. They stray from the faith and up in great sorrow. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So, we need to develop a love for God greater than the love for money. Or we need to develop a hatred for the love of money. A hatred for evil. A hatred for the love of money. Which can only come from developing first a love for God. That means relationships is what replaces the love of money. Relationships. Everyone say relationships. See, when Jesus went to the temple in Jerusalem and the, he, he, he drove out the money changers and those who did business in the temple, it was because money destroys relationship with God. And also with men. The love of money, I'm not saying money, I'm saying the love of money destroys relationship with God and people. When you have a love for money, you will use people and love things. But when you have a love for people, you will love people and use money to build them up. But if you have love for money, you will exploit people because you love the profit that comes. You will cheat. You will exploit. You will oppress the poor, the widows, the orphans so that you can make money. It's the love of money. See, Nagalan, we're so consumed with sins like fornication, adultery, kick them out of the church. But the church is rampant with the love of money. The believers. 
we must take a somber look at our own hearts, our own lives, and repent. Acknowledge that Nagaland is filled with the love of money. Why? What is corruption? The love of money. All this lying, cheating that happens in politics is the love of money. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, look at verse 3 to 5. How do I overcome the love of money? It's through relationship. Love for God and love for people. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. So the church at Corinth was collecting an offering to give to Paul and also to the other believers. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord, first relationship with God, and then to us by the will of God. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself is the antidote against the love of money. They gave first to the Lord and then they gave their heart to the apostles. And the posture of love enabled them to abound in the grace of giving. Not the grace of taking. The grace of giving. That's why in the midst of the poverty, in the weakness, they could give generously. Why? Because love God first, love people. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Love God, love Myanmar. Love God, love Assam. Love God, love the poor. And so, we can give generously. No matter what you may have right now in your account, where you are. But if you don't have a love for God or love for people, you cannot give. That is the kingdom way. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. That's what Jesus says. If you love God, money will serve you. And I tell you, money makes a great servant. But if you love money, you will serve money. You will become the slave to money. Amen. So it's all about how we view God, how we view people. Do you see people as a liability? The cost to, or do you see people as investment? Remember the time when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, when you are praying, if you have anything against your brother, first go and ask forgiveness and then come and pray. In fact, it's talking about giving. Matthew 5, 23, 24. If you bring your gift to the altar and they remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar, go your way, first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. We should do that during tithes, I think. Before you tithe, forgive one another. Right? See, God is placing relationships even above giving. Relationships are more important than what you give to the Lord. First things first, people are more important than money. Can you say amen? And that's why we must love people, use things, instead of loving things and using people. Never let anything come between you and your relationship with God. Nothing. No one is worth it. Nothing is worth it between you and your relationship with God. The rich young ruler came and said, Jesus, 
What can I do that I may gain eternal life, that I may follow you? Jesus says, keep the commandments. The rich young ruler said, I've kept all of them since my youth. Well, then Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So he loved money more than Jesus. Some of you love your boyfriends more than Jesus. Yeah. Your girlfriends, your friends. You know, you're hanging out with the wrong friends, but you can't give up your friends because of Jesus. You are a fool. Whatever little thing it may be, don't let anything come between you and your relationship with Jesus. Because none of those things have any power to help you, promote you, bless you, protect you, save you, to lift you. None of those things. But Satan is a master in making you think that all of these other things will be your savior. Jesus cannot help you, cannot save you, cannot protect you. Religion is only here to take from you. Satan is a master in creating those web of lies. Remember, we worship in spirit and in truth. It's not by seeing blessed circumstances, material things. It's by first from the heart, your faith in Jesus. Your obedience to His ways. Your willingness to submit your thoughts, your mindset to His will and to His ways. What God says about finances, what God says about tithing. Not listening to the criticisms, not listening to the naysayers, the doubters, the complainers in the church. Stop listening to those people. Just choose to follow Jesus. He said, I will bless the work of your hands. Hallelujah. We want to pray for your hands today. Anointed with oil. I'm not saying every one of you will go out and do business. Some of you go back to your studies. But even your studies is your acres of diamond right now. You're studying, put your whole heart into it. That's your acres of diamonds. Hallelujah. The ministry team, the staff, get ready. We have the anointing oil up here. We'll just release by faith. Just come by faith. That person, that, that lady, she did not have any particular pulling in her heart by the Spirit to come. She was like, oh yeah, because her cousin was pulling her. But then she's the one who ended up creating. You never know what you're going to get when you come by faith. The giver of the anointing is God, not us. We are just the ones who are the pipe, the conduit. We just lay hands. Whether you sense anything, she didn't sense anything particularly special. She just came to receive prayer, but then it began to develop. You see, it all comes as a seed. So when you come here, come to receive seed. Don't come to receive harvest. You're receiving seed. You're receiving something the Lord will place in your hands. Maybe just you're doing something with your hands right now. God will just bless it. You're baking, let God bless it. Oh, thank you, Lord. You see, Nagas, we are the kind of people that we are, we, we like to do things with the hands. That's the way God has shaped us. So for Nagas, one of the ways of 
prospering is to do things with the hands. Either you cook, you bake, flowers, planting, cosmetics, creativity. God has blessed Nagas with creativity. So we sh- you should explore those areas. Look at how God has blessed our, our people. So we should look to ourselves, look to the wealth and the legacy God has given to us as a people rather than comparing ourselves with Americans, with the Jews or with the Chinese. Look to the heritage that we have because our acres of diamonds are here. They're here. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Come, let's all stand to your feet. We're going to worship the Lord. If you want prayer, just feel free to come to the front right now. We're going to pray that God will bless you. The work of your hands. That's the blessing in Deuteronomy 28 verse 8. That God will bless whatever you put your hands to. Whatever you set your hands to do. Hallelujah. And as people are coming up, if you are watching me online or here in church and you want to give your life to Jesus today, you can raise your hands or you can just say this prayer after me. Let the people just come up here. But if you would like to give your life to Jesus, I want you to say this prayer after me online also. Come on, say this prayer. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you willing to surrender my life into your hands. I trust that you are my Savior, my Deliverer, and the Blesser of my life. And I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. And I ask you, Lord God, that you will bless my hands even today. Hallelujah. I receive an impartation, a blessing, a barak of the Lord. Something tangible. Even though I may not see it or feel it, I believe I receive something tangible right now. Even as they come and play, pray over my hands. In Jesus' name. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700-568-4533 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.